Well, I'm going to open us in prayer. God, I want to thank you for this congregation. I want to thank you for fellow believers in the gospel. Uh, God, I want to thank you more than anything for your son, Jesus. And God, I know that your Holy Spirit is guiding us right now. I pray, God, that you will speak through me. Uh, I pray, God, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. I pray, God, that we will grow in the knowledge of the word and in knowledge of you and mostly in love of you and love of others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so the passage for today is Philippians chapter 2, and it's verses 3 through 11. So Philippians 2, 3 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and start reading it for us. Now the Apostle Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, Paul tells us to get rid of two things, and he tells us to put on one thing. The two things that Paul tells us to get rid of is selfish ambition and conceit. Now, what's wrong with that? Why can't we be Christians and still keep our selfish ambitions? Why can't we just keep our conceit? And while we're at it, what are those things? What is selfish ambition and what is conceit? Well, I think sometimes we can read this passage and think, oh, I'm not allowed to have any ambitions anymore because Paul said don't have any selfish ambitions. Well, that's not necessarily what Paul's saying. Paul's saying you can have ambitions, you can have goals, but don't have goals that run people over. Don't have goals at the expense of others. Let your ambitions and let your goals pull people up with you. Don't have goals that just leave everybody out in the dust or goals that say, oh, I know this is going to hurt a lot of people, but it helps me, so I'm going to do it anyways. Well, that's selfish ambition. So what is conceit? Conceit is having such a high view of yourself that you have a lesser view of others. So it's okay to have a good view of yourself, but when it causes you to look at others and say, I am better than him or I am better than her, that's conceit. And Paul says, get rid of all of your selfish ambition. Get rid of all of your conceit, but instead put on humility. And so... Um, I want to show us four things that humility does for us. 
humility, the first thing is it frees us from selfish motivations. The second thing is that it strengthens our relationships. The third thing is that it helps us to be obedient to God. And the fourth thing is that humility points to our new life in Christ. So I want to go over first how humility frees us from our selfish motivations. If you wouldn't mind turning with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke 18 verses 9 through 14. So I'm going to share with you one of my favorite parables, probably my absolute favorite parable in the Bible. There are certain passages in the Bible that get you a little misty-eyed. For some reason, this is one that does that to me. Uh, Luke 18, 9 through 14. So it starts by giving us the reason why Jesus even gave this parable. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So can you see how they had some selfish ambition and conceit? So this is who Jesus is telling this parable to. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. So one is a religious leader and one is someone who works for their enemy, the Romans. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so even the book of James says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so what was wrong with this Pharisee? He had very selfish motivations. His goal going into the temple was not to praise God. It was not to lift others up. It was not to help people. His goal was to impress God, impress people. And really, we're not called to do that. God didn't save us to show off. God saved us so that we could love him, so that we could know him, and so that we could love our neighbors as ourselves. And Paul wants us to see from this passage that nobody is exempt from that because even the Son of God didn't live with selfish motivations. And so one way to look at this is I heard one pastor explain it this way. Right on your left hand, loved by God, Take a Sharpie and write that. But write on your other hand, dust. So the reason he said that was because sometimes we get so high on ourselves and we need to remind ourselves that from dust I was born to dust I will return. But sometimes we get so low on ourselves, we just think, oh, I'm, I'm just dust. I'm not important to God. We have to remind ourselves, no, I'm loved by God. And we have to hold those two ideas together. Uh, I've never actually written those on my hand. I get the point from what he said. But it is a good visual reminder for me sometimes 
when I'm getting, feeling too proud of myself and it's causing me to be conceited, to have selfish ambition, I have to remind myself, hey, I'm just dust. Or when I'm feeling too down about myself and not feeling like I'm good enough to do what God has called me to do, I have to remember that God loves me. God's thinking about me right now. God's thinking about me and he loves me so much that even if I was the only person alive, he still would have gone to the cross for me. We have to think about that for ourselves when we're conceited or when we're too down on ourselves. The second thing that humility does is that it strengthens our relationships. So I don't know how many of y'all have seen this movie. There's a movie in the 80s called Can't Buy Me Love. And it stars Patrick Dempsey. It's on Netflix if you ever want to watch it. Um, basically, the idea of the movie is that the main character wants to be popular. It's his last year in high school. He's an outcast. So he wants to hang out with the cool kids, but he can't because he's a nerd, for lack of a better word. So he gets this idea. I'm going to pay the most popular girl in school $1,000 to go out with me for one month. And so she accepts $1,000. He does become popular. But what happens? You would think, okay, yay, he became popular. The story can end right there. But no, it never ends right there. He becomes popular, but he finds out that popularity is hard work. You have to do a lot of things to stay popular. You don't just become popular. So what does he have to do? He has to spend less time with his old friends who are outcast. He has to go along the popular bullies who pick on his old friends. His selfish ambition is taking him away from the relationships that he used to have, and he's becoming conceited. He's starting to think, I actually am better than my old friends. But what happens? This girl tells all the popular kids, hey, he paid me $1,000. So now they know, and they don't want to hang out with him, and he's mistreated all of his old friends, so they don't want to hang out with him either. So what's happened? His selfish ambition and his conceit has lost him all of his community, all of his friends. All he has is his parents and his brother. And even them he's mistreated because of his newfound conceit. So can you see how selfish ambition and conceit, we may think those are the way to go for me. I need to be that way if I want to get ahead. Yeah, maybe you can get ahead that way, but it's going to be very very lonely when you finally get what you're looking for with selfish ambition and conceit. He had to learn humility. He even tells the girl that he paid money to, he says, thank you for telling them that I paid you because it brought me down to reality. And this isn't a Christian movie. It's just a normal Hollywood movie. But I think it does capture the truth that scripture tells us is that those things aren't reality. And what does Paul say is reality? Paul says, here, in the church, those who are in Christ, there is no slave, there is no free, there is no Greek, there is no Jew, there is no Scythian, but Christ is all, and Christ is in all. So what is he saying? He's saying, in Christ, there's no popular crowd. In Christ, there's no nerds, there's no losers, there's no high class, there's no bottom class, there's no middle class, but Christ is all. And it's in all. We don't have to worry about our social status anymore once we are believers. I'm not saying those things don't exist anymore. Sadly, they do. But we can breathe. We can say, okay, 
My life isn't about running that race anymore. I don't have to play that game anymore. I'm in Christ. I don't have anything to prove. Jesus proved everything for me. He gave himself for me. Why am I trying to impress all of these people? You don't have to find your identity in those things anymore. You can find your identity in Christ. And once you start doing that, that is going to strengthen your relationships, which is what Paul said in verse 4. He said, Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And that's so hard to do. But we think, if I only look out for my own interest, that'll help me. But really, it won't. It'll just zap you. It'll, it's, it's a lie to think that looking out for only yourself is going to help you in the long run. Really, looking out for others, their interest, that's where you're going to find life and joy and happiness. Not when you just live for yourself, but when you live for other interests of other people as well. The third thing that humility does is that it helps us to be obedient to God. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8, which I think prove this point. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. How obedient? To the point of death. And not just death, even death on a gruesome, splintery, bloody cross. Well, how is Jesus able to be obedient to the point of even death on a cross? You know, Jesus is one with God. He accepted when the disciples worshipped him. But what did he do? He served. He could have sat on the throne. He could have taken any throne. A lot of times, people who followed Jesus wanted to make him king. But for Jesus, he didn't come for that. He came to serve. He came to heal. He came to sit with people that nobody else would sit with. All the popular kids, basically, the religious leaders, they laughed at him for sitting with the losers, the outcasts, the sinners. And Jesus said, I didn't come to save those who were healthy. I came to help those and save those and heal those who are sick. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I remember um, one of my friends who was obedient to God by showing up to my apartment one time. And he, I just mentioned, oh, I have to clean my apartment tonight. And he didn't, I didn't ask him to come help me. But he came over anyways with cleaning gloves and he came over with cleaning supplies. And it's not like God said, you have to do this. But he knew the Son of Man didn't even come to be served, but to serve. So I'm coming to Cody's house to serve. And what did he do? He cleaned my entire bathroom for me. This blew my mind. This is, to me, it showed me what Christ looks like. And so he lived not for himself that night. But to me, he was my friend, but he was my brother after that because I knew after that that he really loved me and he really cared about me. But that night, he wasn't living for himself. He was living for God. He was living for Christ. And when people come to Lake Point, 
They stop by the Connection Center, and that's where I work after each service. They come in and they talk to me about their story of salvation, about their baptism. But if they don't understand what Christianity is, I try to help them understand it more. And when I tell them what sin is, something I've learned, a trick from my pastor, is I write sin, but I circle the middle letter I. And I show them sin is really when you circle that middle letter I and say, I am in control right now. Jesus, you're not Lord anymore. I'm Lord. God, you're not in control. I'm in control. And so in Greek, the word for sin is hamartia, and it means to miss the mark. Think of somebody shooting a bow and arrow and missing the mark. When we live for ourselves, we miss the mark of who God created us to be. And so the fourth thing that humility does is that it points us to our new life in Christ. It doesn't just point us, but it points others. I mean, think of your own personal testimony. If I asked you, how did you become a believer in Christ? Would you tell me a very conceited person with selfish ambition pointing me to Christ? I highly doubt that you would say that. You would say somebody took the time, they sacrificed their time, and they saw me as more significant than themselves. And they shared the message of the gospel with me. And not only that, but they lived a life that I wanted. Their life, I said, I want that. I want to be who they are. When my friend Emmett came to my house to help me clean, I was already a believer. But it made me excited to be a believer when he did that. It made me happy to see what believers are doing in the world. Service sounds so boring sometimes, but when you make someone feel loved and appreciated... It's the most exciting thing there can possibly be. Yeah, it does require work. Yeah, it is hard. But it's good work. We were made to work, not just to be served. You think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Even before they sinned, they still had good work to do. And so when Jesus says, pray this way, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we get to join in on that. We get to take a part in how God is fixing our world. But we can't do that with selfish ambition and conceit. It's going to take humility. It's going to take a changing of how we see ourselves. Uh, I think one of the most popular things that people say about this is when they quote C.S. Lewis saying that um, humility isn't looking at yourself less. or It's not thinking of yourself less, but it's thinking of yourself Basically, sorry, he's saying humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less times. So what he's saying is that humility is not about thinking worse of yourself, but just thinking of others more. I kind of do agree with that, but I kind of don't agree with that. Because sometimes when you think that you are better than someone, you do need to reevaluate yourself and say, hey, I'm not better than this other person. Jesus died for this person too. It's easy to think that about people who have been nice to us, but... When someone is mean to us, you know, when you're serving someone in a restaurant and they're rude to you, they call you names and say, hey, hurry up, get this order out faster to us. It's hard to not think, ah, I'm better than this person. But what did Jesus do? He came down to us and we nailed him to a cross and he still loved us. He didn't say, I'm more significant than these people, even though he's the one person who actually is more significant than us. He still didn't have that attitude. So who are we to have the attitude that I'm better than someone? And how do we do that? When we call someone 
an idiot. Hey, you're an idiot. You're stupid. Jesus said, anybody who says to his brother, Raka, fool, is guilty of the fires of hell. What's wrong with calling someone a fool? It, it means that we think you're less than me. And so, of course, it's a horrible thing to call someone fool. Now, it's not bad to tell someone you're being foolish or to help them be accountable. But to just say your identity is someone that is less than me, that is when we're living out of conceit and that's when we're living out of selfish ambition. And so love is our strategy. That was the strategy of Jesus. Jesus loved everybody that he came into contact with. That doesn't mean he approved of everything that he saw people do. I mean, if we see him rebuking the religious leaders of his day time and time again, but he still died for those religious leaders. On the cross, he still asked for forgiveness for those religious leaders. And so Jesus points us to God by his love, by his humility, by being a servant, by washing his disciples' feet, by healing people who are sick. And it cost him something, didn't it? I mean, when a lady reached out and touched his robe, Jesus said, I felt power leave me. Who touched me? Of course, when we serve, power is going to leave us. We're going to get tired. We're going to get hungry. We're going to lose time, precious time that we could be spending doing something else. But if the Son of God came not to be served, but to serve, and that pointed to who God is, then we can join in and point to God by serving. Think about this. When you look at Jesus, you see the most clear and concise picture of God that we've ever, ever, ever had. If you want to know what God the Father looks like, look at Jesus. And what does Jesus look like? He looks like someone who loves with self-sacrificing. He loves us, and he deserves for us to just serve him all the time. But he served us, too. So when Paul's running to, to the Philippians, he doesn't just say, hey, Stop being so full of yourselves. Don't be conceit. Get rid of all your selfish ambition and leave it at that. He says, no, have the mind of Christ that is yours in Jesus. And this is hard because we think that we can do it on our own. But even Paul didn't say, oh, you can do this on your own. You got this. He said, no, you're going to need help. You're going to need the mind that you receive from Christ. And so this is important. There's a lot of times when I'm talking to someone, when I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I'm talking to someone. I'm, I don't feel loving at all. But if it was up to me, I probably would be more rude to that person than I should be. And then I would go home and think, oh, no, I didn't point to Christ. I didn't show that person my new life in Christ. I was just rude to that person. But no, I, I have to pray silently to myself. God, help me to be a loving person right now. Help me to change my perspective right now. And you know what's crazy? It works. I actually do feel love for that person when I ask God to help me to love that person. And so Paul doesn't want us to just look to ourselves and just say, hey, I'm not going to be conceited anymore. I'm not going to have any selfish ambition anymore. Because you know what? That's not going to work. What is going to work is when we see Jesus on the cross. And when we see Jesus on the cross, we become so grateful Say, wow, Jesus loves me enough to die on the cross for me, to serve me that way. And that doesn't just change your head. That changes your heart. 
it's one thing to change your mind and say, I'm not going to be conceited anymore. I'm not going to have any selfish ambition anymore. But it's a whole different thing to look at Jesus and have that change your heart. For you to say, wow, that's my creator hanging on that cross. If that's what my creator is doing, if that's where he's going, then I'm going with him to that cross. And I'll close with this passage that Jesus said in Luke chapter 9. He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? The world invites us to go chase after popularity, success, and status. But Jesus says, no, that's a lie. You can gain all that, but you'll lose yourself. But if you come after me, you'll be more yourself than you ever have been before. You'll be you, but you'll also be the you that's in Christ. And there's no better version of you than that. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you for these short passages that offer so many uh, nuggets of wisdom to us. And God, we could meditate on just one verse all day long. I thank you, God, that you've given us scripture. I thank you, God, that you've given us ears to hear and eyes to see. And I pray, God, that we won't just rely on our physical sight, but that we would live by faith in you. When we're hurting, when we're suffering, when we think that Philippians 2 verse 8 is the end where it says that Jesus was obedient to the point of death on the cross, please remind us that Philippians 8 is followed by Philippians 9, which says that Jesus was exalted because of his humility in God. You want to lift us up. You want us to serve. You want us to love. And we think sometimes that living for ourselves. Is a way to be lifted up. But God, you've showed us that living for you, living for our neighbors, not just forgetting about ourselves, but not forgetting you or our neighbors either, that's the way to go. And that's where we find life is not in selfish ambition or conceit, but life is found in you and you alone. We love you, God. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.